Local American Nation. My name is Zane Raza. I interview change makers and world shakers in the field of tech. And today I'm really excited because I can teach you the ways of the force. JK, but nonetheless, my guest is extremely special. His name is SJ Lee, and he's a software engineer at Facebook Reality Labs, which is currently working on Horizons, which you may have heard of is Facebook's upcoming social VR experience that uses Oculus. In this episode, I know if you're a student, you'll be especially blown away by the story of how SJ Lee became a software engineer working in XR nonetheless, and you'll kind of get a crystal ball to see what happens after you get your first job and in college. Of course, SJ Lee also doesn't probably need an introduction for a lot of you because you've also, of course, the creator of how to get a job at the big four, that is Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft, which is a 2015 video on YouTube. You can go look it up. It's been viewed over 1.3 million times. One last thing I'll mention is S.J. Lee is originally from South Korea. And forever it's worth, I hope to reaffirm that. And I see the value in bringing on new perspectives, especially in this moment where there's been a, a recent wave of despicable violence against the Asian American community. I think S.J. Lee and his family are an excellent example of the contributions Asians make every single day, not just as engineers, but of course as human beings. Okay, my name is Zane Raza, and I'm excited for this episode and for you to meet S.J. Lee, so let's dive right in. All right, we have Sean in the Zoom room here. How are you doing, Sean? Doing well. Uh, I also go by SJ these days, actually. It's like a long story, but I I want, wanted to go back to my legal name, but people can't say it, so I just decided to go by SJ, just kind of an abbreviation. So uh, we can we can stick with that for the for today. Sure. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I mean, I've been really excited by the kinds of things you've been sharing out recently about Facebook and Reality Labs. But I, I wanted to start with something, uh, something easy, something get uh, is in, in the vibe here. So I wanted to ask you, uh, are you at all familiar with emojis? Sure. <laughs> and and so for for me and just the audience to hear your story, could you tell me your entire life story in just three emojis? Three emojis. Oh shit. Okay. Like before I say anything. I should probably first preface this by saying I'm just doing this in my free time and I'm not representing my employer in any way. Standard disclaimer. Uh, because respectable. Nothing appropriate comes to mind except eggplants. <laughs> okay. Three three emojis. My life story in three emojis. Okay, okay, I got it. It's a South Korean flag followed by the Canadian flag followed by the American flag. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So it's out there. You, you, so you're from South Korea originally? Yeah, I was born in South Korea. Then I immigrated with my family to Canada, Vancouver. Back in, I think 2000, when I was six or seven years old. Uh, and then yeah, I've been a permanent resident of the United States since last year. So good, to, good to have you, man, in the States. I did not know that about the, the South Korean origin. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty out of touch with like my heritage too, uh, for the most part. Like I, once I moved in 2000, the only time I visited was like 2001 for like uh, 18 years. And then in 2019, I visited my home country for the first time in like 19 years, 18 years. And so that was a pretty big culture shock because even though I was born there, it's like, you know, Korea wasn't always like the rich country it is today, right? Um, they've been on this like crazy trajectory ever since like the the Korean War, I think in 1960s. And like, and my parents, like they grew up like, you know, really poor. Like, I think the standard like sort of memes around here with, with boomers in America, like it's like boomers in South Korea, at least, you know, when you think of that, uh, generation of people born in the 1950s, 1960s, like they did, they did not have an easy life, right? Um, like they grew up in poverty. And so, yeah, it was interesting to learn like, okay, so these are my roots. Like this is what uh, my parents sacrificed to let me have the comfortable life that I have right now. And like, you know, whenever we get into a fight, they'll say something like, Yo, you, you think you're so successful and so smart, but like, trust me, if we didn't make the choice to, uh, immigrate here and sacrifice to put everything on the line for you guys like you know you'd be competing with a bunch of other really smart kids for the one job they have at samsung or lg and and then you know good luck with that <laughs> also you would have to go to the military during the period of your life where you are the smartest and the you know fittest so hmm. yes, that yeah, mandatory uh, yeah, I, ma mandatory military conscription, you know, that, that's uh, still a thing in South Korea. Wow. It, I guess it, that really resonates with, with me and, like, I'm sure a lot of people who are the immigrants, like, who knows where, like, any of us would be, uh, you know, I, I'm, me and my Pakistani heritage and, and all that. Yeah. No, it, I think it's important to, like, understand your roots, man. Because like, um, I used to have this like period of my life where I had no like cultural identity. It's like, what am I? Am I Canadian? Uh, certainly, I don't feel Canadian. Am I South Korean? I, I don't feel South Korean either. Um, and then like, I grew up without this like notion of like, when people say like, I am proud to be American. I'm proud to be X. I'm proud to be, it's like, that was a genetic accident. You didn't, why are you proud to, you know, like, what what have you earned what have you accomplished such that you're proud that's how you used to think about these things but you're not being proud of your own accomplishments you're being proud of your your lineage your your parents accomplishments and how that brought you here and so yeah i didn't i grew up most of my life not understanding that and so like i went back in 2019 i learned about the korean war i met you know my extended family and my grandparents for the first time in a long time and that's when i started like kind of gaining that pride back wow it, that's deep like and and like i i can relate to that because like i do what i can like i have my a whatsapp chat with my folks back in pakistan and but i've heard about things like south korea like it's a beautiful country and when you even when i go to like pakistan i'm, I'm surprised by like how wealthy some of this the cities are mm, yeah do you think that helps you today? Like the fact that you have this like global perspective and now you're at uh, Facebook and you and problems you solve and trying to connect all the people from, from all the countries. Yeah, I think, I mean, 
I don't know how much it helped in my day-to-day life, but like they're they're like more at a principal level, right? Like one of the things I talked about when I was joining Horizon. So I, I as you may understand, like Facebook had its fair share of controversy uh, in its um, lifetime. And uh, you know, the Cambridge Analytica was big. And so like you'll you'll see it being reported in the news, like Facebook employees disgruntled over X policy or you know, Y initiative, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so when I joined the company, I saw that firsthand. Um, and so I remember there was like this one meeting we had with like, you know, the, I don't know if he's like a VP or a director, exactly what his title is, but somebody pretty high up. And we were just like, he, he was doing this thing where we were like, just kind of talking about like get, getting it out all out there with each other you know what i mean like during the pandemic like that was like a couple of weeks after the sky was basically orange in like california because the wildfires and like people's moves were down so he had this like cool initiative to like get people to just like get into a safe space and and talk about it and people you know like even even then like i was thinking about how uh i was reminded of why i joined facebook and horizon in particular which was that like, okay, so I'm South Korean by birth. And like, if you understand a little bit of South Korean history, they have a little bit of a history with Japan, <laughs> a little bit. And so uh, it isn't uncommon for South Koreans to be basically raised racist, mm. right? Like you're not supposed to like Japan. Uh, I don't know if, if things are still like that right now. Like it's like, I mean, I, maybe you know, it was only, it's a thing, it's like a mindset that's been changing, but certainly when I was growing up in South Korea, mm, bad Japanese people, no. Um, and I can safely say that I don't hate Japanese people now. And part of the reason, I, part of the reasons because I grew up in Canada for the majority of my uh, adolescent um, life. And I grew up watching a lot of like Japanese anime and really like admiring their culture and that's basically what it's about, right? It's like you beat your stereotypes um, by continuously exposing yourself to uh, the contrary. Mm. Um, and so like for me, like when people say, well, Facebook, you know, uh, is responsible in uh, um, playing a role in like radicalizing certain, you know, political uh, inclinations or um, yeah well let, let's leave it there let's say um, for me that was like okay so uh, when we when we have um, when we have people being able to safely interact with people from other diverse backgrounds in a safe environment um, such as virtual reality right then maybe they wouldn't grow up with these prejudices um and so for me like at the time when i was thinking about like this is around the time when like black lives matter movement also gained a lot of steam because of like you know the thing that happened with george floyd and so i was like okay so like yeah like horizon is potentially an avenue where we can solve that problem that people say facebook's causing um another thing was obviously this is during the pandemic and like uh i come from South Korea, some of my family's in South Korea. I grew up in Vancouver. All of my immediate family's in Vancouver and I can't meet them. I can't travel and I can't go see them. And again, like Horizon for me was like, okay, like 
if there was a way for me to be with my family, like be present with them um, without being physically there, then that would be something that, well, that, that'd be something everybody during the pandemic would love to have. And so it, 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 it yeah, I mean, your original question was like, does it help me, you know, in my role at Facebook? And in that sense, it does. Like it grounds, it, it, they help develop principles that ground me in my work. It's like that everyday motivation to get up and, and keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and that's the thing that I really like about working in this area is not gaming, but telepresence. Um, and I mean, like, that also goes back to my work at Microsoft as well. Like, you know, Mixed Reality Capture Studios was like uh, a unit, business unit in Microsoft where like they, they built out these like camera stages so you can capture people uh like it was a volumetric video like it was an actual like hologram of a human being right and so um like there was some like interesting clients we had every now and then like oh i want to like record a, a sort of a dying message for my grandchildren or something like that you know because <laughs> it's, it's more powerful than just a video like that person like if you view them in vr or hololens after that it's like they're really there with you Oh, yeah, yeah. So this, this is huge. Like, I, I definitely agree. Like, we now is probably more people need like AR, VR more than ever now. So I'm glad you're here. And let's go a little bit into the journey. Because as as I said, when we were playing this, my audience is mainly students. And I thought mm -hmm. it would cool go a little bit into your college years. Now, I've been watching your YouTube channel religiously lately. And one of the things I wanted to ask you was just like, kind of what got you started and, and what made you want to start giving advice to people on career development? Like what, what went in? Yeah. Um, so let me think. Um, there, there were a couple of motivations. So number one is it took me six years to get a four-year degree. I wasn't a very good student. I was like failing all the important courses at UBC um and like you know other schools will probably have like equivalent versions of this but basically like i failed my second year um intro to data structures and algorithms course um didn't even show up to the finals because i was like there's no way i'm gonna pass <laughs> i think i failed my third year software engineering course um among others and then um you know like like ubc has this great co-op program um which makes it really easy for you because like in my in my experience like the hardest job is always the first one and like the co-op program kind of like makes it easy for you to land your first job because like they, they they basically did all the networking for you right i think waterloo also has a really great co-op program um and i also got rejected out of the co-op program um so well not rejected out i rejected from like I, I never got in in the first place um so basically like I uh, was a really bad student that like was on a pretty clear trajectory to uh, fail, um, whether that's not graduating or just never being able to get a job, I think once I've graduated. And people knew that, like I was struggling in these classes, they were hard. And so when I managed to get my first internship at NVIDIA, people were like, whoa, what the hell? Okay. and then. You know, like anybody can have a fluke. And then the next year, I got an offer from both Amazon and Facebook for internships. Um, 
which is a very difficult decision to make. So I just ended up accepting both and I skipped the term in school so that I can, I can do both. And then like, you know, like when I came back from those two internships, then people are like, okay, this wasn't a fluke. Like, what, what's the deal with this guy? And like, like people knew, like I, I was a, I was an awful student. Like they knew I was failing these courses. And so some of my peers would just be like, I, I you get, you, you kind of get the, you know, sense that they're, they're jealous for one and that, Second, maybe there's this great injustice in the world <laughs> because uh, they can't get offers at these companies, right? Um, and so they kind of asked me like how I did it. Cause like, I mean, why wouldn't you? Like they want, they want the same thing. And like, if somebody that they thought was much below them in terms of abilities can do it, then like um, there's, there's gotta be some trick. Um, and so the way this, way those events played out is 2013 that was my internship with nvidia my brother is actually a software engineer he graduated from waterloo um, probably one of the person i respect the most in this line of work in the world um and yeah once he graduated from waterloo he went straight to nvidia he's been there for like 10 11 years now like <laughs> he's a veteran so like he's got a lot of connections because nvidia back then wasn't as big as it is now like it had like I think 5,000 or 8,000 employees or something like 8,000 employees, I think back in 2013, um, Facebook had, Facebook had 5,000 or something like that. It was a small, smaller company um, because NVIDIA's recent growth is all due to like AI and you know, cryptocurrency and virtual reality, augmented reality, all like just kind of happening at the same time. Um, back then, like people only thought about NVIDIA when it comes to like, you know, gaming. Right. Yeah. That was that was the main thing people thought about NVIDIA for. And so if you're not even in the industry, then people didn't know NVIDIA. Like it wasn't it wasn't like at the level of Microsoft, Amazon. Anyway, so my brother's been there for some time. I went to my school's career fair and uh, the one of the hiring managers that showed up to our career fair from NVIDIA knew my brother. And because my legal name is Sang Jung Lee and my brother's legal name is Sang Hun Lee. It's a South Korean thing. Sometimes like South Korean names are usually three syllables and two of those are shared between like the dad side of the family. Not always, but that, it, it is often the case. So, so and people don't call me Sang Jung Lee. They, they, they just call me Sang Lee and same with my brother. So this guy's like, oh, wait, you have, this, you have the same name as somebody I know at work. And it's like, oh yeah, that guy's my brother. <laughs> and so that really helped get the conversation going, right? So that got me the interview because uh, it was just such a like an easy icebreaker. And then I, I interviewed, I went through two rounds of phone screens with, uh, um, you know, some technical questions and that's how I got the job at NVIDIA. Um, the first thing my father said to me when I got that job at NVIDIA was you got that job at NVIDIA because your brother works at NVIDIA and they see how hard he works and they think you're going to do the same. Mm. Which pisses me off because it's really taking away from my own accomplishment because it true it opened the door, but there's no doubt like I got it through with my own abilities. It's not like my brother is like a director there either. Like It's just like he just happened to know my brother. I went through the interview just like everybody else. And once I was there, I did well, e even if like that helped me get the job, like they wouldn't have given me a return offer, but I did get a return offer from video. I turned it down because of what my dad said. And that's when I really started grinding. Like I got the book by uh, Gail McDowell about, you know, cracking the coding interview. And like, that's when I really started to like understand sort of like the, like sort of, I don't know, 
it, it seems like a trick, but it, it's really not, right? Like, but th that's what people think it is. Like, that's that's the point I was trying to get in my get get across in my talk is that there's really only two steps to getting one of these jobs at Google, Microsoft, Facebook, whatever. It's like you you get the interview somehow, which is like a multivariate equation of like how good your resume is. You know, uh, do you have good connections? Do you have side projects? Do you have good grades? But I mean, there's just there's not just one thing that contributes to that. So it's it's complex. But you need to get, you need to open up that door somehow first. But number two is you have to do well in the interview. And the thing is, there's no question about what that interview is going to look like. There's way too many data points out there. All of these companies hire tens of thousands of people, you know, collectively a year, maybe hundreds of thousands. There's just way too many data points out there. And for them to be able to scale that quickly, they can't just be doing whatever they feel like because they have to keep to a certain quality bar, right? And so they standardize the process. And that's the whole thing about these this whiteboard coding interview. Um, and there's some criticism about is it really the best hiring practices or not? But I mean, like, regardless, like that's what they do. And so one, if you can get the interview somehow, and two, like you you know the anatomy of the whiteboard interview, you can get a job in any company, right? And so that's basically the all I focused on in my la like second last year. It's like, I, I want to go to a bigger company this time. I want to, instead of NVIDIA, like that's why I reject, rejected their offer. I want to prove to my dad <laughs> that I can get a job at any other company as well. So I, I basically just did a lot of like the, these mock interviews with my friends and stuff, got people riled up about it around me about like, hey, we can, these like, you know, Google internships and Microsoft internships, they're not this esoteric thing. Like we, we can all do it. We started like practicing together and a lot of us like ended up nailing our, you know, first big internships that year. And and the funny thing is, I think a lot of this can be attributed to the fact that I got rejected from the co-op program. Because I don't know about other schools, but at UBC, the co-op program is like, you know, once you start applying to these companies, I think the first company that gives you an offer, uh, I think you have like, what was it, like 48 hours to either accept or reject or something like that. Um, and so you can't shop around, right? So if, if you know you apply to Google or Microsoft and you're waiting on them, but you know this you know smaller company that you don't you're not really that excited about gives you an offer, uh, you're kind of like you're kind of on a timer. And for me, like I didn't have to do that because I got rejected from the program, so I could just I could just apply to the biggest companies and like wait all I want. And and that was a thing. Like once you know once. Uh, once I got NVIDIA, I was like, you can, I'm not gonna go to like, you know, I'm not gonna go to some local company in Vancouver. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I could, but I, I mean, that, that, was a, that was a bar for me and I wanted to exceed that. So like the really big tech companies were the only ones I was willing to go to. And so I could, I could play that game like where I can just apply to the companies that interest me and, and interview with the companies that interest me and, and um, choose and pick from there. So yeah, that's sort of my school, uh, school life and how those events transpired anyway. Um, after that happened, people were asking me like, okay, so like, how do you, how'd you get these jobs? Like I, uh, decided like, okay, like, um, I want to, I want to put this out for the world now. Cause like, uh, this is like not a thing that just my, my peers at school has. Um, and that's, well, that was one of the motivation. The other motivation was my girlfriend right now happened to be, um, the president of like a student student club at the time when I was, you know, when I finished those internships in my final year of school. And so I was like, uh, 
man, I want to like get to know her somehow. But like, she, she was in engineering and I was in computer science. We actually never really chatted before. So I was just like, hey, like, what if I did this talk for your, your club and you can put it together and I'll just come in, I'll speak. And so uh, my plan worked and we're still dating. <laughs> wow, okay. So it, it all kind of worked out. I, I have to say it's, it's a really inspiring story. I, I, I have another fun fact about the South Korean culture in Pakistan. My, me and my brother also share the same first and last name. And so when oh. you about your brother, I just thought like, that is so ironic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but for sure, like it's this crazy mix of, like what you said, this multivariate equation, you had some luck involved, you had some hard work. You showed up all those people who thought like, who the heck is this 2.3 GPA kid? Yeah. Uh, coming all this. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious. Did you, did you ever expect the talk to get so many views? Like, would, do you ever think about that? Uh, or is it just like, uh, it, I, I don't really know. I mean, like it's got like what, last time I checked like a little over a million views. Um, but I mean, that's over six years. That's not that much. I mean, I think there's like some, you know, uh, like just the duration it's been online and playing a factor there. I mean, I've uploaded some other videos and like, they don't get that much view, but it, I mean, it's a clickbaity title, right? Um, like how to get a job at the big, that's a clickbaity title. So in that sense, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. Um, cause like, I, I tried to do the YouTube thing a little bit more recent, recently, like last year, right? Because that was like when I was at Google and I was kind of bored. Like Google, Google's a much slower company than, than where I'm at right now, which is why I'm not uploading again. Um, but like, so the, the thing about, the thing I'm trying to be very careful about my YouTube channel right now is that uh, there's a lot of these channels on YouTube that, um, that try to sell you this dream of like working at big tech companies and making like, uh, you know, $200,000 a year, $300,000 a year or more. Um, and like, I think they do it kind of unethically by continuing to like, try to make it sound like there's this easy trick. Like here's a top 10 language to learn in 2021. It's like no such thing. The best languages to learn is, is just the ones that are relevant to the work you wanna do. If you wanna go into gaming or, or virtual reality, you should learn C++ because that's what rendering engines are built out of. That's what game engines are built out of. If you wanna go into web development, you should learn JavaScript. If you really wanna work at Facebook, you should learn PHP. Like there's no such thing. Um, it's, it's just like another, it's like, I feel like it's instilling this idea that if you learn these languages, then you, you'll be doing great. Um, and so like, I feel like it, in that sense, like there's no point in making more videos. It's like, I did the, how to get a job at the big four and that got the point I want to get across. Um, but then like over the years, I get these messages from people like, uh, so, Hey, it, it, I'm paraphrasing, but a lot of these messages are like, Hey, SJ, I saw your, I saw your video on how to get a job at the big four. And I just had a question about it. How do I get a job at the big four? It's like, no, no, you didn't watch the video. I explained it all very clearly. It's simple. You have to, you have to get an interview and you have to do well in the interview, but you don't want to put in the work to actually grind out the white, like lead code. And like, 
Um, there are some exceptions to this. Like there are people who I know like have done like hundreds of legal questions and can't get the job they want. And so I make videos on those particular topics because then it's relevant. But I, I can assure you like most people that can graduate with a CS degree, like they're smart enough to get a job at these tech companies. So, so the problem isn't like they don't know the trick anymore. Like the information has been out there for years. I mean, cracking the coding interview has been around since, I don't even know, like it, it wasn't like a secret. When I, when I was interviewing with NVIDIA or like, you know, Facebook, Amazon back when I was a student and that was like six years ago. So um, yeah, that, that's, that's why I don't, there's no point in making videos about this over and over again, but um, I, I don't know. I, like, I don't know what people are still curious about, like what, what's missing that isn't already out there, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, I, I can attest like your YouTube channel is like, like the content is honest and it's like solid and it's like it doesn't you don't really repeat yourself in it i wanted to dive in deeper when it comes to like going in deeper on like the stuff you've already said i i wanted to ask you about specific things like recommendations you may have for xr engineering specifically now that you work in the industry like what are some of the hot yeah. things you've noticed recently or opportunities for like either people who like are already in it or like people who want to get in on it. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I was interested in like VR like way back when, like, you know, like even back in 2013 when I was doing my internship at NVIDIA, uh, like I was super passionate about VR. And like the way I got into it is basically, well, I mean, I grew up a gamer for one, but I also watched a lot of anime. And then like back then, like there was like this anime called Sword Art Online. It's like, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like this, uh, there's 10,000 people that are like beta testing this like, oh no, no, it's not a beta test. I think it's actually, they're, they're, they're playing it. It's a launch product. And uh, they get into this like really advanced VR headset that basically simulates all, you know, five senses. And then like the creator of the game just kind of like tells them like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, I rigged the headset so that if you die in this game, you die in real life. Like the headset will actually just like fry your brain and like, nobody better try to like rip the headset off you. Cause like, if they try to do that, it'll also fry your brain. And so like, he's like, I'll let all of you go if you manage to beat the game. And so it's like this like VR MMORPG um, and like the story follows this guy like trying to basically like beat the game so they can all get out. Anyway, um, like that sense of like escape um, that you get in video games and, and like watching really like fun shows. That was what I was after. I, I wanted to be a part of that. Like I wanted to be a part of storytelling um, so that's how I kind of got into VR. And then, um, the, what happened was the year I did my internship at Facebook is a year that Facebook acquired Oculus. Oh, I see. And I don't, I don't like to talk about this stuff that much, but I actually didn't get a return offer from Facebook. That's why I went back to Amazon. I would have 100% gone back to Facebook if I could. Cause like, yeah, like. There wasn't that many VR companies back then, right? Like it was, it was basically Oculus, and 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 that was it. Like other small gaming studios here and there, but um, like that was one of the most heartbreaking experiences in my career is not getting that return offer. Um, and so, like after a year at Amazon, I, I started to like um, basically go on this like tirade of like I want to be in the VR industry no matter what. And like at, back then at that point, like, you know, I'm full-time engineer at Amazon. Like my resume is solid. I got good internships. Like most companies give me an interview, right? I, I've interviewed with probably about 50 to 60 companies uh, 
VR companies back in 2015 or so, 2015, 2016. Um, so if there was a venture, venture capital back, you know, uh, VR startup, if you name them, chances are I've interviewed with them. I've interviewed with a lot of them. And I, I'm not talking about I apply to them. I actually talk to, you know, talk to people. And I got rejected from like all of it. So it's like, it's kind of like my original like life story repeating again, like, which is interesting. Like um, people don't get that. Like, you know, they think they get that first internship and it's over, but like, you're always going to be after something in your career. Right. Um, so what happened was after I got rejected from all these companies, one time I was at a VR meetup in Seattle and, you know, like I was talking to the co-founder and, you know, like trying to poke and see like if I can join this company and, um, he was like, the conversation kind of led to like, oh, you know, somebody who's working at Twitch, I'd love to talk to this guy. Like, can you point them out to me? So it's just kind of this feeling of being brushed aside. Uh, and then I'm, I'm not really that like, uh, you know, I'm not who he's looking for. And I just remember feeling like really upset about that. And I went home and I just started like bawling and crying <laughs> and just called my girlfriend and I couldn't say anything. I, all I did was just cry. Um, and I'm lucky to have such a supportive, she, she's a soft, actually, you know, she got promoted. So she's a manager at Apple. And, uh, she was a software engineer at Apple back then. And she just like told me like, it's okay, it's okay. Like that's, she just kept saying that over over and over again. And then the next day, you know, I got my shit together and I just emailed a bunch of random people on LinkedIn that works in the industry. Like, hey, like, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm working towards. And like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like, like I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to steal from anybody. This is just an area I'm really passionate about. And I want to be a part of it but nobody's giving me the chance. Like, what am I doing wrong? And like, I've I've asked like four or five people about this and they've all sort of given me different perspectives. Um, and um, the exact advice I guess they, they gave me isn't important, but what's important for myself there was that I stopped victimizing myself after talking to some people. Like they gave me like some constructive feedback. Um, and once I stopped victimizing myself and like understanding, okay, like, I need like relevant game engine experience. Should should build like should build like some crappy VR games. And oh, like my 3D math skills are awful. I should go back and like relearn the material from that uh, linear algebra course that I barely passed in university because this stuff is actually important. Yeah. And once I did that, like I finally got my first offer, and it was like it was 50% of what I was making at less than 50% of what I was making at Amazon. Cause I, I went back to a Canadian company called finger food studios, less than 50% of what I was making at Amazon. But I was like, this is going to pay off for me in the long run. Cause I'll be happy what I'm doing. And, um, I went to finger food for a few months. Uh, and then I called up one of the hiring managers. I talked to while I was still at Amazon that rejected me during you know, that round of 50, 60 interviews. And, said like, hey, like, I remember you rejected me back then because I don't have relevant gaming experience. I have the relevant gaming experience now. Can you, can you interview me again? And he said, sure. And so, so he asked me the same sort of like uh, 3D math question he asked me before. I killed it this time because I reviewed the fundamentals. And so that's how I ended up going to Penrose. And then, uh, well, I was there for six months and then like some stuff happened with the visa. So I had to move to a big company. So. I interviewed with Microsoft and at that point, like my career was just like, it was on autopilot at that point. I had the relevant experience. I was getting paid very well again. Um, and I was working on the stuff that I thought was really cool and it was interesting. And yeah, I mean, I, I spent 
uh, some time at Microsoft, two and a half years, and then I ended up at Facebook, right? Um, anyway, so uh, advice I would give people for who's trying to do the same, like break into the XR industry. Uh, number one, like there's nothing really special about this industry um, apart from the, the surface that it shows up in. And by surface, I mean like, it, it's just a video game engine running in and head mounted display, right? So, you know, the skills that you would need is very similar to what you would need in the gaming industry. But first you have to decide like, what part of this industry do you want to be a part of? Cause it's kind of like a full stack solution. It, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like asking like, oh, I want to work on the cloud. You know, like what, what part of the cloud, right? Like you could work on the actual headsets. You could be a systems level engineer that works on the, the firmware on these devices or the operating system. You can work on the, you can be a computer vision engineer that works on the tracking algorithms or the machine learning algorithms that drive, uh, you know, object recognition or, or six off tracking in these systems or, you know, the controllers. Um, you could work on the, the cloud infrastructure that powers some of these like social VR experiences or MMORPGs. You could be a rendering engineer that you know works on um, well what you see, or you can be like a more of an application level engineer. That's more of what I am. Like that actually goes out and builds the experiences. And then even when you start considering experiences, there's like social be like more experiences like oriented towards social VR. There might be. Uh, um, more of a streaming experience, like, you know, like you could work on like YouTube VR and like work on 360 video media streaming. You could work on actual um, video games. Um, you could also go into the enterprise side, like VR has like a lot of interesting applications when it comes to like architecture. Um, not like, you know, like computer architecture, but I mean like actual building architecture. Cause then you can like actually see what the house or whatever looks like before you even lay down a single brick, right? And so photorealistic rendering is also very important there. Um, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, it's a big industry now. So like people who want to break into the industry, like I would advise them like first pick, like what part is it that's interesting to you? Right. I see. So the, the, the biggest takeaway, and first of all, like thank you for sharing all, like all the all the, I think you're just your story itself has like so many, it uncovers so many things like getting the, getting the mentorship, being able to get feedback from like constructive, critical feedback of yourself at those, at those moments, having the support network. And then, you know, finally being able to just look at like, like what is out there, like what's the space and like, where do you fit into like the machine? Right. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad like just that overview itself, like machine learning, like I myself am a machine learning engineer. I, I know like DevOps people who maybe like look at the cloud infrastructure, say maybe they're interested. So I hope people are, are listening to this. This is, this is amazing. Going from there, I, I wanted to, I had some like uh, one-off questions. Now we got our big two topics out of the way. But in one of your previous, one of your most recent videos, you talked about the increasing importance. So I want to shift gears now to culture fit. And this is something that I myself have thought a lot about. I want to ask you, uh, who are your favorite people to work with at work in XR or like in any of your previous jobs? Um, 
I generally like people who are laid back. Like some of my like favorite corkers are just like people who like are like people like I can be friends with outside of work and we joke joke around and we make sure we share like game stonk memes. Like that's like one of the basically a passing criteria for me. Like, is this guy cool? Does he does he like game stonk memes? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big like joker and memer at work, so like that. But I mean, that, that's not actually the important thing when it comes to culture fit. Like there are people like that I work extremely well with that, you know, aren't huge memers. Um, but like my favorite corkers, definitely memers. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, um, let's see, like one of the things I value the most is honest, but res respectful communications. So um, like one of the reasons I would say I wanted to join this particular team at Facebook was that the engineering manager that I talked to during the interview process really emphasized that he really cared about transparency. And like, I even like told him like um, uh, feedback during the interview about like, you know, I talked to this hiring manager and this hiring manager. I like this hiring manager more because he has these qualities that I respect. And he was like, can I tell the other hiring manager that you said that? <laughs> and I was like, sure. Like, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Cause like, I value that. And he, so does he, like he, he we both valued that kind of transparent communication. He was like, this is useful feedback for him. So I'm going to tell him that. Um, and so that continued to be the case when I joined the company, like I get a lot of feedback. Um, when I'm pushing too far on so something, like my manager would tell me, you know, you, you should slow down. Like, this is not productive. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like I push on a lot of things. That's one of my strengths. One percent of the time, I go a little far. That's fine. Like it just it just comes with me having the strength I am, and like I embrace that. Uh, I embrace I embrace that about myself. So, um, like he's able to give me that feedback when I'm going too far, and like I tone it down. Um, but ninety nine percent of the time, it's great. And then I get a lot of feedback saying like you're doing a great job on this. I keep doing that. Um, so yeah, respectful but honest communication, that's probably my number one thing when it comes to like culture fit. I see. And then like do you like do anything specific to uh you to improve your, your communication or feedback skills, like or or does that just kind of come natural to you? Mm, I probably like ticked off some people in the past by like being too blunt. I don't know. Um it's really hard to know for sure unless you're in the other person's head. Um, basically, I just try not to be an asshole, you know? <laughs> like, solid. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope I'm not, but I'm, I'm sure like sometimes I am. And like, you know, I, I used to work with people like that actually. Like, there was this one guy I knew from my, one of my previous jobs that was just like, uh, and this is when I was like really junior as well. So it, it was like, pretty hurtful when he did this, but I was having a conversation with another corker and he was just, you know, listening in. He was like, no, this is a stupid idea. And like, none of this matters. Like you're just wasting your time on nothing. And he's very respected. So like, you know, like we just like kind of said, okay, yeah. Okay. Then I guess we'll move on from this. The next day I came into work and he like, just says like, Hey, like I thought about what I said yesterday and I think it was really harsh and I apologize for that. And like this guy's like known to like ruffle feathers like that, like all the time. But he always apologizes for it, which is interesting. Like he he knows that's his like thing. But then like he's also had like a meteoric career trajectory. I mean, I'm talking like 
well, so meteoric that you would like know if I even named the company that he's working for, basically. Like he's he's an executive. Um, and so like it, it works for him, I guess, you know, like he like people respect him because like he's right and he's not afraid to like voice his opinions when when he is right. But but sometimes he pisses people off like that. <laughs> Funny. Sure, sure. Sometimes like that, that diva personality has its benefits. Cool. All right then. Well, you know, I, I do have that. I really like the point you raised about the mirrors, and I, I wanted to ask: Is that like a secret Facebook group? No, no, it's just, it's just I don't know. It's uh, it, it sneaks out in like certain group chats, and then like depending on people's reaction, you know, which people are the game stalkers. <laughs> if there was like a perfect Facebook group for you to join, what would it be called? Wall Street Thoughts. I mean, that group already exists, so. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Recommendations. All right. So we are in the last part of this episode. And I wanted to transition into a lightning round. So sure. simple. I'll just ask you uh, a couple questions and you just give me your most diva-esque or just your most honest thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. So if you could be any superhero from a movie, a comic, or a TV show, who would you be? Iron Man. Iron Man? If you could be any supervillain, who would you be? Joker. Ah, I, I was expecting you to hear you say Thanos. <laughs> Collect all the infinity big companies. There we go. No, what was it? The big, big fornity? Big fornity? Let's move on to the next question. Who is you? Kind of went into this, but I'm. I'll ask anyway. Who has been your greatest role model? Um, it, it changes probably for most of my career. My brother, though, my older brother. Solid. And what is the best purchase of? This is a little bit going to get a little bit specific here. But what is the best purchase of eighty-five dollars or less? for a college student who wants to be ready for remote software engineering interviews this coming fall, let's say? Uh, Focusmate subscription. Um, and I'll, I'll explain. So there's this web service called Focusmate. You can go focusmate.com. Um, and you book an hour time block with a stranger online mm -hmm. and you just show up at that block time. And then in the beginning, you'll just say, this is what I plan on working on for the next 50 minutes. What are you working on? And then you mute your mic, keep on video, and you start working. At the end of the 50 minutes, you just say like, okay, how far did you make it? Did you get everything done? Blah, blah, blah. And it works really well for a number of reasons. It's like the social aspect of it. Like you always show up because you don't want to let the other person down. And they're keeping you accountable. You're also like pre-committing um, to the work that you're going to do. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, there's a number of like actual scientific and psychological reasons I think it works, but like whenever I'm procrastinating on things, that is the service I use to block it, just block a time on my calendar to get it done. And, you know, it's worked. It, it's so effective, in fact, that I've started doing it with my coworkers during the remote work culture. So it's like $5 a month, like people should do it. Awesome. And uh, can you say just one more time, focusme.com? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like focus, like 
you know, the word and may doesn't be Australian, you know, good eye, mate. <laughs> there you go. All right. And, and now this gets me curious, what is your favorite workplace distraction? Workplace distraction? Uh, probably Wall Street, that means on the Facebook group. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably that. Awesome. And last one here. I have, I want to get your top three recommendations for places to have fun in the Bay Area right now. You know, in the Bay Area? I'm not living in the Bay Area, though. Um, get a rental bike uh, at San Francisco Pier and, like, just ride up to the Golden Gate Bridge. That's always fun. Um, go to uh, Dolores Park in Mission and do what people do in Dolores Park. I don't know what they do there, but um, number three, uh, go to, I don't know, um, Golden Gate Park and take a walk or something. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Simple. With that, uh, Sean, we have reached the end of this interview. Uh, I am trepidatiously awaiting the day Horizons becomes available to the world. So thank you again for coming on. Uh, any final thoughts here? Oh man, this is this is great what you're doing here. Like, uh, keep um, keep like spreading uh, these kind of things around in your community. And, uh, you know, try to try to like support each other, like achieve their career goals. I think it's a wonderful thing. So thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, Sean, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Uh, feel free to hop off and I'll just do the outro for this episode. Sure. Talk to you later. Bye. Take care. All right, my friends, that has been it for this episode. For more on the job search, finding your place in technology, uh, developing your passions, hope head over to the podcast on Anchor. You can do that at anchor.fm slash maker-nation. And let me know what you thought of this episode. I'll do my best to address whatever comments, feedback you have. As Sean said, getting that honest feedback is crucial. And we'll be back soon with more in the weeks and months ahead. Till next time, thanks, care. thanks. Uh, take care of Maker Nation. I'll see you soon.